Hi, welcome to our podcast, Art Will Power Life. My name is Anna. My name is Simon. And today we are going to talk about writing, specifically short story writing. But first of all, I would like Simon to tell you how he started writing. So it's kind of a story, which I guess it's great because we talk about writing stories today. But I first started writing uh, screenplays for uh, short films that I wanted to direct. Because when I was younger, I wanted to be a film director. And I still think that would be a cool job. But yeah, so I started writing uh, little short uh, scripts for me and my friends to film. And eventually I moved on to bigger projects like writing pilot episodes for TV shows that I thought could be cool, that I thought of myself. And I even wrote a feature-length movie script, but I only wrote the first draft because I kind of... Like, I stopped writing because I was finished with the first draft, and then I just immediately lost all interest in the project, and the idea seemed very boring to me. So I just stopped writing. And, yeah. That seems to be the issue with you. You <laughs> lose faith in yourself and then you just stop. Yeah, but the idea wasn't very good also. You know, that's. I think that's important to realize that uh, some of our stories just don't... Yeah, some some just aren't worth pursuing. That's true. But, yeah. you know, uh, art is subjective. The, yeah, but <laughs> if something is boring to you, that's not a great sign. True. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when I got a little older, I... I was thinking about my future and I thought, hmm, maybe I want to go into an arts college. So I wrote like a bunch of applications and in most of these art colleges, at least in Germany, I don't know how it is in America, but I think it's similar. You have to send out a portfolio with some of your works. And for this uh, particular art college, there were 30 works required in the portfolio. And, you know, I made a short film or two when I drew some things but they weren't that great and I still needed like 10 other works to you know be finished and send out the portfolio and that's when I had the idea hmm maybe I should just write like short stories because that seems so easy and I bet I can do like one short story a day and I'm gonna be finished in no time so that's how I started writing uh, stories I just had to fill up the space in this portfolio so I could send it out. And I started realizing two things. One, that uh, writing is really fun. And the second thing was that writing is really hard and you can't just like write one short story a day. Well, you can, but they probably will suck. Yeah, so that's how I started writing. Eventually, I even tried writing a book and... I wrote it, but it only got to the first draft again. Then I got dissatisfied with everything. And I fell out of love with writing because I was so stressed out after trying to write a whole book. And uh, so I just stopped writing for two years. But now I'm back and I kind of want to write again. Yeah. I'm so glad you're back. 
Because your writing is delightful. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's very nice. Okay, how did you start? Um, yeah, I guess now it's my turn, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so for me, my story is a bit shorter. I always loved writing. I was pretty quick in like kindergarten and started writing before everyone else, basically. I love handwriting to this day. And yeah, when I was a kid, I used to tell my mom stories about carnivorous plant <laughs> all the time, like in the car. And I remember that vividly. And they were all short stories with a different plot about that same plant. And I loved that plant. It was like basically my imaginary friend. <laughs> <laughs> But I only remember that plant when I was in the car. I don't know. It was my car imaginary friend. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And as soon as I went to secondary school or high school or whatever, like fifth grade here in Germany, I started writing stories that were basically a copy of the Fear Street series by R.L. Stein, who was my favorite author at the time. Mm -hmm. And what I loved most about his stories is that in every book there were multiple shorter stories, so I could read at least one of them in one go. And I, to this day, I really love that, but I have gotten into long books by now. <laughs> Great. And um, yeah, I wrote a short story about a lantern lighter that witnessed a murder. And I was particularly proud of that. And that's why I remember it the most. And I even gave it to my German teacher and wanted some confirmation from her. But she just marked it and corrected grammar mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, your grammar is perfect. So I guess we have to thank her. I mean, yeah, but, pff, but that was that wasn't just due to school, but also due to writing, you know. No, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, my grammar still sucks. I need to use software to make it pretty and make sense. Sometimes, you know. I refuse to do that because that I'm convinced that I will forget how to do grammar <laughs> if I start that. You don't have to do anything yourself anymore. Just use the computer stuff. No, no, never, never. <laughs> okay and speaking of short stories i have sent you some questions that you should ask me <laughs> no, no, no 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 i wrote these questions myself you didn't send them to me 10 minutes before we started recording no no it's my no. my original thoughts trademark um yes. one of these very original thoughts <laughs> was can you define for me what uh, a short story exactly is oh basically A short story is a fictional story, which is more than 1,600 words long and less than 20,000. That's it. <laughs> Wait, what, what is the story called when it is shorter than 1,600? What did you say? 1,600? Yeah, I did say that. Wait. Yep. What, what is a shorter story called? <laughs> is it called a shorter story? Okay, right here it says between 1,000 and 5,000 words. So I guess it's, you know... Flash fiction forms. Novella, novelette, short story and flash fiction defined. Oh, I, I've never heard of flash fiction. That sounds like, like fan fiction of the flash. That's what yes. that sounds like. So, novella, yes. between 20,000 and 49,999. That's very specific. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Once a book hits the 50,000 marks, it's generally considered a novel. A novelette falls in the range of 7,500 to 19,999 words. Wow. And a short story is between 1,000 and 7,499 words. 
Flash fiction, it refers to super short fiction of a thousand words or less. Okay, yeah, that's but, what I thought. That's what I thought. But still provides a compelling story with a plot okay. and character development and usually a twist or surprise ending. Wow. Interesting. Okay. No, I didn't know that. Very interesting. Yeah, we should get into that too. <laughs> uh, the second question I have prepared for you today is uh, what is the purpose of a short story? <laughs> They're usually works of fiction that impart a moral, like, for example, fairy tales, or capture a moment or evoke a certain mood. Short stories are often more focused than regular stories because all the elements within that's plot, character, pacing, story structure, and so on, they must work together to achieve that goal. Yeah, I think also, like you said, uh, short stories are very good at evoking emotions. I am <laughs> thinking about uh, the short story by Ernest Hemingway, The Old Man and the Sea, which was just beautiful. I don't know if you've read it. I have not. But it's, it, it's enough to make a grown man cry. Yeah, I know. And it, it's like, it's so difficult to do that in such a short span mm. of words yeah i think so too so if you can write a good short story that's good in itself true i always thought that i was kind of you know not good enough to write a novel and only good enough to write short stories because <laughs> i just can't do novels um but i mean when i look at it this way it's difficult <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're just the greatest short story writer of all time I could just call myself the greatest writer. You're right. Yeah. The greatest short story writer. And since my view is subjective, I am the greatest writer to someone on this planet. And I'm <laughs> very proud to know the greatest writer on, of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. The next question I have is uh, what makes a short story good? Well, they have to achieve a lot of story in only a few words. So, yeah, we already talked about that. There are four elements that really make a story stand out. That's character, plot, setting, intention. And balancing these elements is the first step to making your short story amazing. Wait, can you um, repeat the four, uh, four elements again for me? That's character, plot, setting, and tension. I think of those four, uh, for me, character is the most important because you can tell a lot about a person or a character by just um, hearing uh, their thoughts or maybe even just a sentence and if a character is unlikable in a sense like asshole characters they can be entertaining too but if they aren't written well i think the whole short story falls apart so for me i think character is the most important aspect true true Yeah. You're giving me ideas here. Great. <laughs> <laughs> My last question is, what is your definition of a short story? Your own personal definition. My own personal definition is that, um, well, it's what I learned in school. That's, uh, <laughs> that a short story is a moment in time. You don't need to introduce characters or name a specific time frame or place. You just set the mood by, by doing different stuff. And then you just go for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. creative freedom for the win yeah what about yours what's your definition of a short story i think it's mostly the same uh, what i like about short stories is they don't uh, waste time setting up a lot of things which makes it for me as a writer it makes it easier to get to the 
interesting parts. That's what I like about short stories. My definition of a short story. Yeah, it jumps right into the action. It's short and it's evokes something. It evokes a reaction, like a specific reaction that is very clear. Which I think yes. in books sometimes the bigger picture, depending on the book, gets lost in the work. But I think it's easier to figure out the theme of a, a short story. Yeah. And isn't that what you said made art for you? Stuff that makes you feel something? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what yeah. I think is the most important function of art to make you feel something. So, yeah, short stories. I like them. Me too. Alrighty, so having talked about that, we are now coming to today's sponsor. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, we are about to write short stories. Yes. Two short stories, each of us one short story. And we don't know exactly how we're going to do that yet. Maybe you will pick the same prompt mm -hmm. um, or, you know, do the same prompt and then just compare that and I think that could be interesting to see if our styles are completely different which I know they are mm -hmm. very different <laughs> I know I like uh, writing funny stories and you are more into the uh, how would you describe it how what kind of stories do you like to write someone dies yes always <laughs> darker <laughs> stories I'd say yeah yeah But but like with a with a lighter tone in the background sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I like writing dark stories too. But you know, the first idea I'm probably gonna get is something dumb and funny and stupid. Yeah, and I can't <laughs> wait. Well, maybe I'm gonna write something serious. We don't know yet. It depends on the prompt. Yeah, but we definitely need to do another one if I'm not happy with the level of funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds like, sounds good. <laughs> I have uh, found a website, 500 writing prompts to help beat writer's block. We're gonna link that. Yes. And how about I just open a website to give us a random number between one and 500 and we pick that number from the list. All righty. And I'd say we have two vetoes. Yes. Great. So if we, if we do not like it at all, we can choose another number. Okay. That sounds, Twice. That sounds great. Okay. Between one and 500. And it gave me the funny number 321. Three, two, nice. one. That's actually a funny coincidence, I think. Yes, it is. So the website is like 50 writing prompts for different genres. And oh, okay. uh, it's like 10 genres in total. See, let's just do it. The first number is the genre. Yep. So genre number two. And then 21 is the one within the 50. Oh, okay. We can do that. Three. Three, two, one, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. So three is science fiction. Yes. Nice. Yes. And 21 is... <laughs> I like that. Okay. So the prompt that we've got is in an alternate universe where global warming has ruined the planet, you've spent your entire life living in an airplane on autopilot. I, oh god i really okay. liked that one okay okay whatever whatever <laughs> whatever so it's double the challenge for me yeah. it's triple the challenge for me because i haven't written anything in a long time because i've been writing uh, reading a lot <laughs> <laughs> and it's sci-fi which is a first for me 
Okay. And also, there's very little information to go by in the prompt. But I have done a lot more than I'm thinking about right now with only the words dollhouse. So I think we'll be fine, right? I think right? we'll be fine, yeah. Um, well, I haven't written in a long time either, except like poems. But I think that's just something very different and also True. an episode idea. But yes. um, I actually like the simplicity of a prompt. I Me think, too. I think you can do a lot with that. Yeah, so um, okay. how do, long should we take uh, writing these short stories? So we've talked about this, right? Mm -hmm. We said maybe like three days. Yeah, I think that's that's good. Maybe like for me, probably... We'll adjust it as needed. Yes, uh, but I think it's, it's going to be interesting to uh, later also talk about how we each um, reacted to the time constraints. Uh, because mm -hmm. I think we both never had deadlines. Well, at least I've never had real deadlines well maybe maybe in school you know but yeah but in school uh we well personally we never wrote that many short stories maybe when i was in fourth grade but that's so long ago i don't even remember that so you know yeah same same Alrighty. so the deadline is in three days yes. today is sunday so on wednesday And we will meet back right here mm -hmm. on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> in this same episode and read a little and compare some stuff and discuss a little. I think it's going to be very interesting. I'm really excited. I think so too. And I'm, Same prompt. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I was looking for an excuse to write again because same. I'm weird. Uh, I'm weird because I need an excuse to write something. But I don't know. I... I, maybe I would just work better with like an external motivation to do something like at least in the beginning to get started again. Yeah, same. See, that's why I love podcasting so much, because I have an excuse to actually do research, <laughs> not just for myself, which always feels like it's just, you know, ugh, pointless research for what? <laughs> <laughs> why do anything? Why just not yeah. stay in bed? It's nice and warm. And exactly that's where my favorite pillow is. <laughs> yeah but with this we have an excuse to do stuff yeah it's great fun stuff yeah i like it too i'm very excited uh, for your story yeah i'm excited for yours <laughs> cannot wait yeah same same i hope same. it's funny do we want to like look that we at least hit more than a thousand words i think that sounds yeah, reasonable at least more than a thousand and less than twenty thousand okay i think i can do that I, if i constrain myself yeah in three days <laughs> me too yeah barely <laughs> okay great so um i think that's it for today yeah yeah so uh we'll see each other in three days and for you it's in a second <laughs> <laughs> all right here it's wednesday my dudes we're back welcome back I cannot wait, but but I also can wait. I'm very I'm very like hyped to hear your story. But we decided that I would read first. Yeah. Uh, Exciting. Let me gain my composure first. <laughs> yes, yeah, we can we can wait. The power of editing makes it so that you never struggle to start in the first place. Oof. Yes. 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 All right. Um, 
Do you have a name for your story? Uh, well, the word document is called Plain Short Story. So I guess that's the name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice. I, I actually have two names. Okay. Um, well, the first name, the, the name of the word document is Message to the Past. Okay. And the other one... No, I don't want. I don't want to say that. I'll I'll leave that out. I'll do some. Um, I'll do some last minute editing and okay. leave that out. Okay. 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 <coughs> Sorry. More, more <laughs> time. Fine. I'm completely fine. Help. I don't know what's up with me. This is probably the first time I I ever read someone my story. It's weird, right? Because um, it is. I let an I I read my read my story for like my friends because I wanted to know their opinions. Same. That was also like a weird feeling. It's uh, because normally I just write my short stories and then I never let them be read by anyone ever. And also I don't read them. So they're just kind of laying there on my hard drive. So this was a very different experience. Yeah. <laughs> But also I'll steal your hard drive. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Here we go. This is a message to the past. Hopefully it will reach you before it's too late. I am currently in a plane that's infinitely circling planet Earth. The surface became uninhabitable a long time ago. A few months before my birth, climate change had killed almost everyone on the planet. Some scientists made these flying objects, one of which I am currently in, that we call planes because from the outside they look a little like the aeroplanes from the past, but ours are much bigger. They run on artificial photosynthesis, though, which by the end of the Earth was the only viable power source left. The pace the sun was heating up had grown too high for anyone to make solar panels that could withstand the ever-rising melting point. Any and all power plants had long exploded, killing millions of people in the impact. There was no wind anymore. Coal and any fossil fuels you might have, we had run out of a long time ago. See, the Earth was dying. Even though I have read all about nature, wildlife and greenery, I'll never get to see any of them in person. I was born in a plane just like this one, full of people trying to survive any way they knew how. We were lucky enough to have a few cellular agriculturists on board, who managed to replicate enough food for us all. At first the planes didn't withstand the heat, and many of them that had taken off without engineers or builders on board crashed into the lava, or the remainder of the boiling seas within a few years. Ours managed to hang on just long enough for us to receive the message that we were allowed to dock the Epsilon, the biggest plane of all, and the only one still connected to the Earth's surface. A scientist on board once explained to me that their seven pillars, made from the hardest metal known to exist, were the only physical connection any living being had left to the planet we used to call home. It was also the only thing keeping their gigantic plane suspended in mid-air. So the richest people in Earth's atmosphere had shown us mercy. Don't get me wrong, there were skeptics on board our plane who thought they only asked us to board in order to steal our scientists and kill everyone else. After all, why else would rich people care about us normal people, if not to profit in some way? In the end, we didn't have a choice. I was a small child at this point, but my mother told me all about our stay on board the Epsilon. I wish I could remember some of it myself. Upon landing our plane on a long runway inside Epsilon, we disembarked our trusty vessel and could see nothing but black walls, seemingly endless in height and width, 
with no visible doors anywhere, just a giant black room. After some time of us standing in the dark looking around in awe, we were greeted by several automatons that looked like people. My mother described them as metal statues with hinges as joints that made a constant whirring noise and all had the same monotonous voice. They then locked us all up in isolation cells, single cells for single adults, and children with their parents. Nobody told us what was going on. There were cameras in every single cell, but no human ever visited us. We were fed regularly and generally cared for, could speak to each other through locked doors and had books to keep us entertained, but many of us couldn't deal with the isolation. We lost a good amount of our crew during that stay. One day, after weeks of being locked up, the automatons opened the gates to our enclosures and the adults fell into each other's arms, crying for our losses. It was one of the worst days of my mother's life. Once the group had regained at least some of their composure, we were led to our improved and reinforced plane. To this day, none of us or any of the other planes knows who actually lives on Epsilon. We had never had the need for any leaders, didn't have any currency, and everyone was always provided for by trades or gifts. It used to be the perfect cohabitation, until one day, when some of the bigger kids explored the plane after the improvements. At first they didn't find anything but the usual, a new water supply and a couple of rooms that they hadn't seen before. It was only when they broke the rules and went past the machinery that they found a whole new basement level. It was a room as long and wide as the plane itself, completely empty, except for seven silver-coloured automatons. It seemed dormant at the time they were found. The kids were understandably panicking and started screaming for their parents, which in turn woke up the metal men. They apparently reacted to loud noises and reacted by letting out a long, high-pitched sound that ended up rupturing the eardrums of two of the children. Once the parents had arrived at the entrance to the basement, all of the children were in tears, shivering on the ground or in corners, and the automatons were gone without a trace. From that point forward we lived in constant fear. We were certain we hadn't seen the last of them. They turned up again about a month later, when a woman had night terrors and yelled hysterically. Her wife woke up and turned to check on her, when they appeared seemingly out of nowhere on the side of the bed that the sleeping woman was on. Not daring to make a sound, the wife slowly put her hands in front of her own mouth and held her breath. The yelling had stopped for a minute and the automatons were just turning to leave, when the night terror started again. Within seconds, one of the metal figures had produced a kind of slingshot and fired something into the screaming woman's open mouth. She fell silent immediately. Miraculously, she didn't even wake up until the automatons had left again and her wife finally woke her up, crying and panting, asking if she was okay. When the woman attempted to speak, no sound came out of her mouth, and there never would again. After more and more of these incidents came together, leaving all victims mutilated to some extent. Everyone who had been wronged by the automatons, be it by silencing their infant who couldn't help but scream for what they needed, people who had been in pain and couldn't hold in their screams anymore, or someone who had simply laughed with joy in one of the few blissful moments on board our plane, came together to form a resistance. I was one of those people. By the age of 24, I had made it my job to care for the sick and wronged. One day an old man had come to the room I called the clinic and complained of a backache. I asked him to lie down on the improvised stretcher I used for exams and did my usual routine of asking questions and examining where the pains were. 
As I was doing that, I must have hit a particularly inflamed spot on his back because he started screaming as loudly as he could. I panicked and tried to put my hand on his mouth to shut him up, but there they were. I saw the fear in his eyes and could feel his whole body tensing up below my arms. I was scared to death, and then he bit me. I stumbled backwards, my arms hitting a stack of kidney dishes and sending them to fly across the room. You can imagine the noise. By then, the automatons had noticed that both of us as threats produced flamethrowers and the whole room went up in an inferno. I got away with burns on the right side of my face, leaving me blind and deaf on that side. The old man sadly died from his injuries only moments after the automatons had disappeared. Finally, I could understand the resistance. I wanted revenge. We planned an attack, you see, to finally rid ourselves of the torment of having to stay silent. There was already a plan in motion when I joined, but it wasn't until several months later that we actually attempted anything. I won't go into much detail, but we failed horribly. So horribly, in fact, that I can still hear the echoes of the endless screams in my sleep. Nobody who got injured could be saved. I was one of the few who survived the attack. I sometimes wish I wasn't. We had accounted for that outcome, though. The builders and engineers had fashioned a tiny escape plane from spare parts. The deal was that only the resistance could flee on that plane, and so we honored our fallen friends by leaving behind our families. In the end, only three of us could muster the courage to take the plane and escape our home for good. Though in my case, it was pure fear that led me to leave. During those first hours, we didn't talk or eat or even cry. We were grieving the lives we could have had and the certain deaths of our loved ones. That same day, we had stayed in close range to the automaton-infested plane. We saw it having trouble staying in the air. It swayed from side to side like someone was wrestling for the steering wheel. One of us let out a loud squeaking noise from shock. All of us froze and held our breasts out of habit, expecting something to happen. And then an automaton appeared right in front of our faces and cut her head off. I have been alone in this tiny plane on autopilot for God knows how long now. I am old, tired, lonely and scared of every move I make. It all seems like a cruel joke, but during all these years, alone on this plane, I have come to realize that whoever had feigned us mercy that day the message came through from Epsilon had used us as an experiment for their own benefit. My old home crashed that day and the only friend I had left screamed out loud a few days later. The plane I am in is slowly succumbing to the temperatures outside. I don't know if this will work or not, but I have nothing left to lose. So here I go. I am begging you, do not let the earth die. Do everything you can to save it. We need it. Please, save us all. I am about to get behind the wheel for the first time and steer this plane up into the sky. There's a button there, put in by the engineers, that says, Last Resort. I have tried to push that button so many times in so many different places, but it never worked. Attempt number six or seven opened a secret compartment under the console that contained a single sheet of paper saying, send a message to the past, might overheat. I have thought about this for a long time. The only way to send this message is to get this plane close to the mesosphere. Unfortunately, if you have received this, I am dead. The end. Damn! Oh my god, that was amazing! <laughs> you think so? Yeah, it was so great! 
I was like uh, smiling because it was so so intense and so oh. so I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I like I'm I'm, I'm I don't know. I'm kind of scared to read out uh, my story now because yours is so much better. No, it's not. It's, it's different <laughs> than yours, and I'm happy about that because t twice the same thing would be boring. That's true. That's true. No, I really liked. Um, I don't know. I really liked everything. I liked the main protagonist. I think she had a good reason to. It's a woman, right? Protagonist is a woman. I think. Um, I don't know if it's, it was it's said. What, it's what it's what you made them. Okay. Like it wasn't said, and I ha didn't have anything in mind. Okay. 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 I don't know why, it's but like... I had like a woman in mind. Anyway, um, the main character. I just I thought I, everything that she did kind of seemed very logical. I like understood her journey. She acted like a real human being, I think. And I don't know. I, I just really liked your story. It was good. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> what did it? What did it make you feel? Because art is what what you know yes, the feeling. Yes, 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 stuff. yes. yes. It what made me what feel... did it make you feel? I just wanted to know how it continued. You know, I was just like, oh, "What's gonna happen now? What's gonna happen now?" It made me feel hyped <laughs> to oh. to hear more about it. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, cool, I, cool, cool. it was it was kind of scary when you described what what are called the things that killed anything that makes sound or like um, automatons. The automatons, yeah, yeah they were. They were menacing. They were terrifying. I loved them. Nice. Automatons <laughs> are actually more steampunky, but since I said that there's no power anywhere except for photosynthesis, <laughs> artificial photosynthesis. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, you know, they they can't have like robots or something. Yeah. Like what? Something that works with power. So I made them automatons. So you know, you can wind them up. Ah. Okay. Okay. And I think, like, the explanation for how they keep working and keep disappearing and reappearing is, I guess, nanobots and they are winding each other up. I don't know. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe someone on the ship is winding them up every time. Maybe, could, maybe there's a traitor. Interesting, yeah. On the plane. <laughs> on the plane. <laughs> that was really good. No, I'm, I'm really impressed. I mean, I knew you could write, but uh, I really liked it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Close. now it's your okay. turn. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> <sighs> okay, wait. Um, okay, my audio levels are fine. I just... Um, one last look at that. Okay. Let me just delete everything and rewrite another story really fast. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't, I don't. It's going to be great. This is my short story called Plain Short Story. How warm is it on the surface today, Rupert? Lucas said, boring himself. Exactly 43.2 degrees Celsius, Lucas, the machine replied, its status LEDs flashing in sync with its words. Also, don't call me Rupert, the machine added. All right, Rupi. Lucas giggled. He laughed teasing the machine, since everyone else he could tease was either dead or not in teasable range which was, as Lucas himself described it, the range in which he could taste the tears of his victims. He couldn't remember how long it had been since he had met another human being. He had stopped counting the days. Those damn solar-powered airplanes rarely stopped flying. Theoretically, they could fly indefinitely, but then the people living in them would starve. That's why, every three months, Rupert had to land. That's when he would set course on something called Food Station. 
when you were a guest at a food station, the following two things would happen. First, the robots inhabiting the station would start clapping as your plane arrived. Lucas hated it when that happened. In his opinion, there was nothing to clap about and there hadn't been anything to clap about since the first continent was flooded. After an uninterrupted three minutes of clapping, the robots would do some maintenance on the machines, like checking the state of the engine and screwing in some screws. Lucas always thought they were faking it, to make him feel safer. Not that it helped, but it was a nice gesture. Je but it was a nice gesture. Gesture? Gesture. Gesture. <laughs> the second function of these food stations was, as the name implied, to supply the residents of every airplane with enough food and water for exactly three months. Food maybe wasn't the right word for the grey sludge that filled the airplanes, but the robot said and contained all the nutrients one needed to survive. Lucas liked the sound of that. Today was another day that didn't want to end. He sat in the cockpit of his airplane, pretending that he was the one flying it, and if Rupert had the ability to laugh, Lucas was sure he would be laughing at him. After he was done playing pilot, he did fewer push-ups than he had promised himself to do, then continued to eat two portions of the grey sludge. It was extra sludgy today. He had deserved it, he thought, but he hadn't. The rest of the day was filled with the random questions Lucas asked the artificial intelligence that controlled the airplane, the thing he had come to call Rupert. Did you watch the game last night, Rupert? No. Do you even know what a match is? No. Do you want to know? No. I'll tell you anyway. So there was this game called football. Two teams of 11 people each competed against each other. They tried to use their feet to kick a ball into a box. It was incredibly boring. People loved it. So much so that the fans of these teams would beat up anyone who said something negative about one of their team's players. That sounds like the part I would have liked to watch. They should have shown that on TV. Okay, replied Rupert, ending the conversation. Some days, Rupert would beep. It was a very loud beep. Lucas thought it should come with another less loud beep before it to announce that a louder beep would follow. He hated it when Rupert beeped. He always jumped in fear when it did. His current theory was that Rupert only beeped to annoy Lucas. He was not sure why he thought that, but he liked to think the whole world was against him. At least then he would have something to be mad about, and time would go by quicker. Rupert, why do you have to beep so loud? How else would I let you know that there is another player in communication range? Lucas could not believe what he had just heard. What? How else would I let you know I understood you? Then why did you ask me? Shut up, Rupert. Wait, don't shut up and tell me why have you never told me that the beeping meant something so important? You never asked. Did you think I only beeped to annoy you? I did. I am hurt, the machine replied. I'm sorry. It's just that I didn't know you could actually initiate communications with another plane. You've talked with the inhabitants of other planes multiple times. Yeah, but they had always called me. I thought only more expensive planes could do that. Are you calling me cheap? I guess I am. Well, I am not. I am sorry. Okay. Lucas thought about the events that had just occurred. He could not stop smiling. Finally, he thought, someone in teasable range. Rupert, start communications with that plane, he commanded, and felt more in charge of his destiny than he had ever felt in his entire life. The end. Ooh.
Yeah. What did you think? <laughs> I smiled the whole time. Really? But like, oh my god, I love your humor so really? much. <laughs> It's so dry. I love it, and I love it when your when your characters communicate with their machines. Like, yeah. Ooh, 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 my heart. <laughs> I don't know why, but but I'm I'm very very much into making relationships with objects. <laughs> yeah, me too. I really loved it. Uh, we both got that from Hitchhiker's Guide, probably. I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> no, the thing I like with t um, talking with machines, you know, they uh, most of the time they are like, you know, very logical and dry. Yeah. And you have like the perfect dynamic of, um, well, there's like the classic comedic duo of someone who's like the straight man who's serious all of the time, and like someone who's making jokes all of the time, and um, you know, kind of annoying the straight man, and mm -hmm. that's what I like about the thing you know it's hard to yeah. say yeah it's weird to uh, read out loud something you've written it's, it's very weird but but it's nice it's very judged way, yeah but but that way you can you can like give it your own you know emphasis yeah that's yeah. so cool yeah i like that i like that i think i got into that um like at the later half of the story i really got into voicing um the different characters like differently Yeah, but you did that from the start. Really, that was really good. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought. I, I thought so at least. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe you. maybe if you didn't, I didn't mind it. I don't know, but it was great. Definitely great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Oof. So now about the process. Now we can now yeah. we can communicate about our, Ooh, our processes. You know. Interesting. So, which what was yours? Well, I really liked using a writing prompt to think about a story. I've never actually done that. I don't think that... I think normally I just sit down and write whatever comes to my mind. And uh -huh. I think it was... It made it easier if I just had, like, this one sentence that we were given and immediately, like, ideas started um, coming in. So I think it made the whole process just easier. And I think we should do that more often. Yeah, me too. Let's do. Let's make this a regular thing. Yeah, definitely. that sounds. That sounds good. Like once a month or something. Yeah, we we had said we wanted to use three days to write the short story, and the first day I just did. You know, I procrastinated because you know that's like important part of my process. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, the second day I wrote eight hundred words, and uh -huh. I. I had planned on like writing the first 800 words in one stretch. Like I, it took like one or two hours. And then later on in the day, I wanted to write a bit more. But as I read through the story again, I thought it had come to a natural conclusion and I didn't want to make it longer just to make it longer. So um, like the rest of my time was spent uh, editing it. Like I said, I, I used like there's this website. I'm going to link that down in the description and um, I used this website to let it read the story back to me and I found out that it's a really good way to like find grammatical errors like errors with uh, tense and you know I'm mm -hmm. not a native speaker obviously so I had problems with that in the beginning but I don't know what did you think was it grammatically correct what I wrote did you hear anything obvious that was wrong no I don't think so um Only one thing I've noticed yes. was that um, for one word you you put like a T at the end, but I think that was just pronunciation. Yeah, it could be, could be. Yeah, uh, but that was the only thing that yes. 
bothered me. <laughs> okay, okay. So and I, it didn't really bother me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if uh, someone hasn't tried that with their stories, I would encourage people to give this process a try. You know, not just the writing prompts, but also like letting uh, um, NII read uh, the text back to you. It also helped finding like when the same word was used in like two sentences uh, back to back. Yeah, uh, I did that really, once. Yeah, but and uh, I only if you hear it, when I read it, yeah, if you hear it, it's much easier to notice and to correct it. Yeah, true. Yeah, so that was cool. How yes. how did you feel about the whole process? Um. Well, the process was. I mean, you know. Yeah, writing. <laughs> writing. Yes. Yeah. So I I felt inspired when yeah. we picked the prompt. Really inspired. And then on day one, I procrastinated. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but also, I had some ideas. Like, I read my book and, and you know, I, I saw something, like a sentence that I liked. And I wrote it down on my notes app. And my notes app, let me read this to you. Yeah, it's, it's very brief. Mm -hmm. It's plane running on photosynthesis. He stifled a yawn. Plot twist prison and someone's approaching slash plane is crashing in the end mm -hmm. funny question mark <laughs> <laughs> and i did the complete opposite of all of that it wasn't that funny i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but like I, i used nothing absolutely nothing but it was important you know to get more inspiration yeah to to give myself that one day or like at least that one hour i guess of thinking about it and not writing actively And that made me want to write. And so on day two, I wrote. I sat down and wrote 1,600 words Not bad. in one sitting. That's really good. Yeah, I know how exhausting that is. <laughs> it is, yeah. I, I hadn't done that in a long while and, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay, that's good. And as Great. you know, I, I, I texted you. I said, I don't want to edit because... You know, it, it takes out the surprise for me because once I, I write it down, yeah. it's gone from my brain. <laughs> And yeah, but, but it was it was fine. I, I did edit in the end, like twice, I think I went over it. And yeah, I think it made it a lot better. I closed some, some you know, some holes that were yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Editing is really important, you know. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I, I understand now. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually didn't do it that much editing myself. Uh, like I said, it was only like grammatical errors or uh, that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. I didn't really change the structure of the story that much. Uh, maybe because I um, have half the word count of your story, so there is less to edit. But I don't know. Most of the time I'm kind of happy with the broad strokes of my story but like there's like little things that i just want to change in my stories yeah. and um most of the time yeah. i'm fine with that so that's how i did it this time as well yeah i felt the exact same like i was i was very happy with it i was very proud of it if i may say so myself yeah, but uh, you have every right to be proud of that story it was really good <laughs> Thank you. Yours too, though. Yours too. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Would you have liked it if I had talked or said like had like reactions when you read your story out loud? Because when no, I no, no. read my story, I thought it was kind of weird that no one laughed because I was trying to be funny. And you know, when you tell yeah. a joke in real life and nobody laughs, and you feel like, oh, know, what did I do just I know. now? God, that was so weird. Because like, 
okay, for my story, it's fine that you didn't show any reactions because it wasn't funny. It wasn't meant to be funny and yeah. there weren't meant to be any re reactions like immediately. Yeah. But for your story, I really, I tried not to laugh because <laughs> you didn't do anything for my story. And I, don't want, I didn't want to be disrespectful, you know? Yeah. No, my reactions to your story would have been Jesus Christ or, or damn or something like that. You know, it wouldn't have added a whole lot. <laughs> okay, next time, just... Put a disclaimer for me personally, you may laugh if you would like to. <laughs> okay, 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 yeah. <laughs> nice. All right, we're learning. It's a learning curve. It's true. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. We got through that. Also, my face was burning up. Like from, really? from the middle of the story. My ears were like on fire the first half of the story and then my f it, it, it all <laughs> went to my face. And I think I'm still so red. Oh. <laughs> Get uh, maybe this will get better when we do I this think more. I think it's gonna get better. It's yeah. weird, like um, sharing a part of yourself, even if the story itself has nothing to do with you. I I don't know. Like yeah, I don't it's think still my baby. Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's your baby exactly. It's not you, I but it's like a that. part of you, and yeah. you don't want it to be judged. But I think we have to let it be judged to make them better. Which is not a yes. great analogy for babies, because if your first baby sucks, <laughs> you don't just make another one. <laughs> true. Yeah. True. But but you know, you know, I, I still need that. It's basically my baby, even though it it doesn't work for it's everything. Not a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, your baby is pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yours is too. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine new parents walking into a room like with with other new parents. Your baby's cool. Your <laughs> oh, baby's baby. cool. Not bad. Yeah, but your baby made me laugh. Ah, your baby made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Babies are art. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of are. Yeah, the kind of yeah. are. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> alrighty. I think that's it for today's podcast. Thank yeah. you so much for listening. Anything to add? Uh, have a good day. Bye. <laughs> yeah, bye. Bye. <laughs> what, what do I have to say? I, uh, I don't know what else I have to say about the short stories. Uh, let me think. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I would love to just end the podcast after you saying, let me think. <laughs>